0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You got your Bible again? Turn with me to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Now, again, I'm I'm still on faith, and oh my gosh, I just keep writing. It's amazing how good the Holy Spirit is when you just begin to say, Lord, show me scriptures. Open the eyes of my understanding. I will encourage you to do this. When you read your Bible in your study time... Ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation knowledge. Let you see the word of God. Let it come alive in you. Say, help me. Help me. And then I encourage you, take a little notepad with you or a little notebook, something that you can journal and and, and write certain things down in there that really, really speak to your heart. And so this is something that I do. I have a journal. And man, the first thing I do when I come up in the mornings from reading and studying, man, I begin to journal. I go back and look at the, there's there's four books I read every morning. And I go back and I journal every one of them. Some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament, some in the Proverbs. And then I'm reading another book right now, just a, a regular book, a good book on faith and stuff. So I encourage you, write those. Get those things. And sometimes you can reference them and keep going back to them. Again, you feed your faith, you'll starve your doubts. You get in the Word and God will get into you. Now, we're on faith again, so... How many of us in here do you really, 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 really desire to please God? I, I really desire to please God. Now the reason I said that is because in Hebrews eleven six 6 it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it tells me right there that God is the God of faith. So if it's impossible to please Him without faith, what does that tell me tonight? We better learn all we can about faith. We better begin to overdose on faith. Continue to feed your faith. And so, just some thoughts that the Lord has has put in my heart in the last few days. Just how he begins to, to, to deal with me in these areas. In John 14, the Lord Jesus, actually it's John 14, 15. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. He didn't say, if you love me, sing me a song or whistle to me. So the way we show Jesus we love Him is in the way we obey Him. Hmm. James chapter 4 verse 7, James said this, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So the word submit to God, that phrase, submit to God. The only way I believe truly that we can show God that we submit to Him is in the way we obey Him. So in my submitting to God, it's saying, you know what, Father God? I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey you and obey you and obey you. So now I throw in another scripture on the area of faith in James 2.17. It says, faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. So it could be read this way. Faith without obedience is dead. So again, over and over, I'm putting back in us that, that, that faith is more than just believing and faith is more than just speaking. Actually, faith is doing the Word. It's obeying the Word of God. Let me give you another verse, Joshua 1, verse 8. He said, get the Word of God in your mouth. Speak the Word out of your mouth. He says, meditate on the Word. Recite it over and over again on your, in your mouth. And he says, so that you may ultimately do it. Now, when I, when I speak the word, I meditate on the word, and I actually obey the word and do it, you know what that verse says? Then you will make yourself prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, how many of you in here want to prosper and have good success? If, if you don't want that, we need to pray for you because you've got some issues, all right? And so, again, in that area, he tells me, speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. Speak the word. And then recite the word. Let, let the word just kind of go in your mind day by day. Where, where you kind of chew on it and you think, man, that's good. Right there. Right there. And then because the word within me, it, it, it causes me to ultimately say, you know what? I'm going to obey the word. I'm going to obey the word of God. All right. Matthew 17, verse 14. That was all free. And when they had come to the multitudes, a man came to him, kneeling down to him. And he said to Jesus, Lord. Have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now, I want to highlight verse 15 just a little bit here. Notice he said, Lord, have mercy on me. Now, I can give you scriptures and more scripture and more scripture on, on mercy. First Chronicles 16 says that, His mercy endures forever. In Numbers 14, it talks about His mercy is everlasting. But this guy says, have mercy on my son. Mercy isn't mercy until it's shown or demonstrated. So when this guy says to Jesus, have mercy on my son, he's literally saying to Jesus, Lord Jesus, do something. Do something for my son. Verse 16. So I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to your disciples. These 12 guys that have run around with Jesus. These 12 guys that Jesus would be build the whole entire New Testament off of. And he said, I brought him to your disciples. But they could not cure him. Now, for this man to bring his son to Jesus' disciples, he must have thought they could have done something because if he didn't think they could have done anything, he would have said, why am I going to waste my time? Correct? That's my thinking about this verse right here. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and unbelieving, O faithless and unbelieving, and, now look at the end, and perverse generation. The word perverse there means a, a moral condition, a moral darkness, a rebellion. Now, when I read this here, it's interesting to me that the two things Jesus points out. He says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So was Jesus giving me you a little bit of an insight right there? I believe he was. I believe he said the first thing is the reason you couldn't take care of it is because you didn't have faith. You didn't believe, you didn't act, and you didn't do anything. But then the next thing, he gives me a little inside information there, and he says, and you perverse generation. So he's telling us there That if I don't live by the word of God, and I don't live to please God, and I'm not not preaching perfect, because none of us are perfect. But if I don't have a desire to live holy before God, evidently, that stops the anointing of God. That stops us at times from being able to move like God desires us to. So he said, bring him here to me. And evidently the guy brought him to Jesus because it says, And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Now that was a question they asked Jesus. Why couldn't we cast it out? The million dollar question And Jesus now replies in verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief or because of your lack of faith. Now note in that verse the only thing Jesus said. Because of your unbelief. He didn't mention anything about a perverse generation to them right there. I think that was a teaching, the one we read back, to say, listen... Sometimes the things of God aren't going to happen because you're full of, 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 of um, moral issues. But here, he specifically only says, because of your unbelief. So now i got to go back and i got to look at some facts in it. The fact was, the boy was an epileptic and had seizures. The fact was that the daddy brought him. The fact was that the disciples didn't do anything, and the fact was that Jesus did do something. And so when I begin to look at this, what did Jesus do that they didn't do? The only thing I can find out is, number one, he rebuked the devil. He rebuked the demon within him. We look at how he did that, and he did that with a verbal command. He commanded it to come out. So I begin to look at this right here and I thought, the only thing the disciples didn't do that Jesus did is he acted on the word of God and he spoke out of his mouth what he believed. So he begins to teach us here. Now, they may ask him the question, why couldn't we do it? The why couldn't we do it implies that they could have, but they didn't do it. Because if they couldn't have done it, they would have never asked him the question why we couldn't. And if we couldn't do it, it implies that we don't have the ability or the authority to do it. Turn, turn, hold your finger right there and turn back just to Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10. Now I want you to read this, just one verse. Matthew 10, verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples... These same guys that this man brought this son to. This is who this is. When he, 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 he called his 12 disciples. Do you know a disciple is a learner? A, a disciple is one who not only follows the teaching. He follows the teacher. And so the disciples he called them. And listen to this. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Back to chapter 17. Seven chapters later, they said, why could we not cast it out? Well, we know right now because of the B-I-B-L-B, it wasn't because they didn't have authority and it wasn't because they didn't have ability, because we just read right there that they did have it. Well, some people would say, well, it wasn't the will of God. For the devil to be cast out of him. Well, if it wasn't the will of God for the devil not to be cast out of the young man, then why did Jesus do it? Well, it wasn't the will of God for the disciples. No, it was the will of God because we read the word of God that Jesus had already given him authority. So now we got to go back and we break down what Jesus says next to him in verse 20. He goes on to say, Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, to each one of us, if you have faith as a mustard seed. I'm going to highlight mustard seed. Because it's one of the smallest seeds there are. So Jesus right there, he lets me in. You know, it, it, it just it just takes a, a smidgen. Just a little dab will do you. And he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So now Jesus here, he not only likens faith to a mustard seed... He begins to tell me and you, the way that the faith is released is out of my mouth. So Jesus right there starts telling them, listen, because of the faith you believe, you begin to speak it verbally. You give verbal commands. I've given you authority. But listen, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So the more the word I get into my heart, the more the word's going to come out. We're like a computer. What you put in will come out. That's why it's so important we keep getting the word of God in. Anytime you ever get in a situation where life really squeezes you, or you're in an emergency, something's happened, and you react immediately, what's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? See, before I got born again, the first thing would have come out of my mouth, it would have been a good curse word. It a you know, son of a bendigo. I mean, I'd have... Pop. I said son of a bendigo, okay? And so again, when you begin to feed yourself, those things will come out of you. It's been years ago. It was in 1994. I was up in the mountains in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. A short story, I'm going to really compress it. It's snowing cats and dogs. I mean, cats and dogs. It's snowing I've got a, a big old Lincoln and it's rear-wheel drive. And I come around this corner, and I'm telling you, that thing starts sliding. It starts sliding. I'm turning. I'm doing everything I can, and I, I can't get it over. I can't get it over. And and this car is coming at me. And it it's like a Clint Eastwood movie where the good, the bad, and the ugly, man, I'm I'm seeing this lady's eyes. And she's looking at me like, get over it. I mean, I'm doing everything I can. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, I start speaking, in the name of Jesus. 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 Boom! I mean, ahead on. I mean, stuff happened. And I, I remember clearly that the airbags blew up. And man, I'm, I'm trying to knock the airbag down. I don't know what's happened. And next thing I know, we're going down an embankment now toward this river. And I start saying in the name of Jesus, Lord, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. So when I come to, I look around, and I didn't realize there was a pretty good gash across me. And man, I was bleeding profusely, and I looked, and it broke Shelly's arm. My kids were crying. They'd spilt their ices in the back seat. Oh, Daddy's going to kill us. Now, Daddy wasn't going to kill them. But my biggest concern is I thought, Oh, Lord, I pray I didn't kill somebody. And so I get out, and man, I'm running, it's snowing, and I run to that car, and I get up there, and I open the door, and the lady's okay, but when she sees me, she screams, ah, and I'm all bloody. And she's saying, call the doctor, call them. And so she starts freaking out. Well, we go back and look, and if you were to trace my, my tracks after I hit her, it was like God had, had just supernaturally moved me. I went right between the sign. I don't know how we didn't hit it. And we got down there and looked. It, it was about this far from going into that river. And so again, the things that I put in me, they're going to come out of me. If if all you put in you is is old friends episodes or mash episodes, I'm telling you, I like Hawkeye, but he's not going to do you no good in the, the, the things of life. But the word of God was. And so Jesus right here, he gives us great great insight and he says, If you have faith, as a mustard seed. So I go back and I look at it all. How did Jesus have authority over that devil? Jesus himself, he believed, and what he believed, he spoke it. And so I begin to get the word of God in me, and I begin to speak it. And so what begins to happen to us is that word of God on the inside, remember in... in, uh, Hebrews 6, verse 12, it says the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God starts taking root in me. And it starts changing the way I think. And when it starts changing the way I think, not only does then it changes the way I speak, it starts changing the way I act. And so when you start seeing change in people, their behaviors and their actions, you realize the word of God's getting in them. There's many of you in here. That, that's the joy of my life. I begin to see how the word of God's taking place in you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Well, pastor, what if I blew it yesterday? We'll get back up. Proverbs 24 says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he keeps getting back up. The secret is keep getting back up. Again, I'm not going to cast any stones. This didn't happen to me long ago. There was a guy who came by here on a Sunday morning. And I'm right here. And he said, man, Pastor, the Word of God's working in my life. And I said, well, tell me how it's working. He goes, I hadn't smoked no dope for a week. Well, some people look and say, what's he doing in church? Well, he's getting set free. It didn't bother me a bit. I said, give me five here, buddy. I'm with you. I'm with you. so a lot of times we act like, what's he doing in church? Well, what are you doing in church? The same thing I am. I'm trying to get, get hooked up to Jesus more and more and more. So some of you get back up. Get back up and start speaking the word. You find scriptures in your life that pertain. If you've been dominated by fear, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and the soundness of mind. So begin to speak that. I'm full of love. I'm full of power. I'm full of the soundness of mind. Just begin to speak the word. Speak the word over your house. Turn with me to Matthew 23. Just a couple pages. So again, in that passage... Faith is acting on what I know. Faith is acting what I believe. Keep with the Word of God, okay? A lot of times when, when people see my life, you don't, you don't understand. I, I didn't know anything about the Word of God when I was 20 years old. I know nothing. I'm, I'm going to Bible school and I, I put markers in here so i can find out where they're going i don't even know the books of the bible i mean i i thought job was job i needed a job so i read job and so we look at some of those things and understand this you just keep staying with the word and you keep staying with the word and keep staying with the word and it just becomes a discipline you say man i i, I gotta get in the word matthew 23 verse 23 Woe to you, scribes, and you, Pharisees. Now, Jesus goes on to call these guys hypocrites. Why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Because it was just about an outward religion. They wanted people to make them think, Woo, he's so spiritual. He's so holy. And if you ever study the New Testament there was only a few people that Jesus ever really got ticked off at and a lot of it was with these guys right here because they were so stinking religious so he calls them hypocrites and look what he says for you pay tithes of mint a nice and cumin now when I read the word pay the word pay means they had to do something wouldn't you agree? to pay I gotta do something so When it says here, you guys, you pay. You tithe, you pay the tithe. Why would they pay the tithe? Because they must have believed in the Word of God. If they didn't believe in the Word of God, they wouldn't pay the tithe. Now, when I look at this right here, pay is an action, it's doing something. So if I go to Walmart, and I buy all these Different types of groceries. And the little girl says your bill will be $83.33. And I hold my credit card up and I look at her and say. I believe this card right here will pay for everything that I just purchased. I believe it. You know what she had ultimately said to me? She would say listen genius. Swipe that card or put that chip in. Because it's not going to do any good until you pay that in here. In other words, it's not going to satisfy the charges until you put it in there. You actually pay. You do something and it becomes authorized. So he says right here to them, you've got to pay it. You pay it. You pay it. Now watch this. But you have neglected or ignored the weightier matters of the law. You've ignored justice, you've ignored mercy, and you've ignored faith. So I look at what he says right there. I believe in justice. But justice isn't justice until it's demonstrated or shown. I can talk all day about justice, so what? Do something to show me. Mercy again isn't mercy Until it's demonstrated or shown. Keep your finger right there. Go with me to uh, Mark 10. Go go with me to Mark 10. I'm going to come right back to that in just a second. Mark 10. Watch this in this chapter. Mark 10 verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples. A great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus. sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus. And when he heard that it was Jesus, now the reason I highlight heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he heard about Jesus. What do you think he heard about Jesus? This guy. He'll heal you. This guy will set you free. This guy does this and this and this and this and this. So when he heard about Jesus, or it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So when blind Bartimaeus said, have mercy on me, you know what he was actually saying? Do something for me. You know what? If Jesus would have just looked at him and said, Ooh, mercy you, buddy. Have a good day. Mercy you. But when he said, show me mercy, he was actually saying, do something. Watch this. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and he came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? That's incredible. It's got to be apparent the guy's blind. What do you want me to do for you? You got an earache? You got a toothache? Why did Jesus ask him, what do you want me to do for you? Because again, when we ask Jesus to move in our life, it's as if we're saying, Lord Jesus, I give you permission to move in my life. And understand this as a human being, you have a free will. That's why it's important to pray. When I pray to Jesus to ask me to do something, I'm saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. He will not save a person unless a person says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart to be saved. So again, he's telling blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? And he said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now remember, this is the guy who, who cried out for mercy. So when Jesus said to him, your faith has made you whole, i got to go back and i got to look at that whole thing. How mercy took place here. He heard about Jesus. And then after he heard about Jesus, he cried out to Jesus. And when Jesus said, come here, you know what he did? He threw his garment aside. He got up and he came to Jesus. He ra- he He arose. He didn't have to, but he chose to do it. And then Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And guess what he did? He spoke exactly what he desired. If you'll notice, his exact words is, that I may receive my sight. Note there, guys, he didn't say, you know, Jesus, you can do whatever you want. Whatever you feel is best. No, he was very precise with his words. I think Jesus loved that when we say, this is the circumstance in my life, this is the mountain in my life, this is the problem in my life. And so again right there, the reason I showed you, you can go back to Matthew 23, the reason I showed you that is mercy, there must be something done. How do we know mercy has to have something done? Well, finish this verse with me. You have neglected the weightier matter of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These You ought to have done. Now notice that word there. He didn't say these you should have believed. He said these you should have done. What should he have done? Well, he went and said, yeah, it's a good thing to pay that tithe. That's a good thing to do that. But he said, what about justice? What about mercy? What about faith? Now read it in this sense. Faith, you should have done it. So how do I do faith? See, again, I can sit there and I can believe it all day. It goes back to Peter when he walked on the water. When when Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, can I walk on the water? And Jesus said, it's me. And he said, come on. Come on. And Peter could have looked at all the disciples and said, Hey, boys, I believe I can walk on the water and then just sit down in the boat. But the only way he walked on the water is he believed what Jesus said. And then he got out and said, okay, here we go. He did something. So again, when you look at all this over and over again, faith is saying you've got to do something. You've got to begin to stand on the Word. Talk the Word. Talk the solution. Don't talk the problem. Talk the solution. The solution is the Word of God. You know, I have people that say, you know what, I think I'm going to try that. Well, you'll never find the word try in the New Testament. Not one time did Jesus said, hey, why don't you try that? You don't try the word of God. You do the word of God. And so again, to do the word of God, I'm going to have to step out by faith and I'm going to have to believe that the Bible, the word of God, will function precisely how it says it will. If I go back into my life, and I'm going to use tithing in this area real quick. For, for a number of years of our marriage, woo, we 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 barely made it. I mean, we were so poor we couldn't even pay attention to how poor we were. I Man, we're working job after job and just trying to take pencils and say, okay, if we do this, this, and this, and this and this, well, we'd heard the word of God over and over and over and over and over and over. And I remember I had an older guy and him and he told me over and over you gotta learn to honor God with the tithe honor God and he said listen to me it may not make sense here but it'll start making sense here so me and Shelly begin to pray and we and we just stood on the word we stood on the word we stood on the word that God said there through Malachi Malachi three ten. he said if you honor me with your tithes and offerings I'll open the windows of heaven I'll pour out on you blessings there will not be room enough for you to receive I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake and the fruit of your ground shall not turn return barren and you know what I could have done I could have I could have sang that and clapped that over and over and said, woo I believe that! I believe that! I believe that! I believe that God will open the windows of heaven for me. But that doesn't take place until I actually do it. Did it take faith? Oh my gosh, did it take faith. It would seem like it was more than mustard seed back then. It seemed like I took everything because it wouldn't compute with my mind but something started happening in my heart. So we take a step of faith and we said, you know what? Let's trust, let's trust the financier, God. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And so we begin to do it. And I'll, I'll be the first. It, it twisted me. I was like, oh my gosh. We got more month than money. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Kept honoring God. Kept honoring God. Things begin to change. Think about it in this sense. You put seed in the ground. The cotton farmer, he plants seed way back in the spring. But he didn't go out there on July 4th and say, woohoo, looky here. He knows. It's a process. It's a process. Start getting seed in the ground. And when you continually have seed in the ground, you'll always have a harvest. And so it was a step of faith. And we just kept honoring God. And we kept honoring God. And I'm telling you, God began to change things. Just incredibly. And we, we begin to experience how God would take care of us. So was that a step of faith? This is a step of faith. Many of you don't know this, that when this church started in, in the year 2000, when it was birthed, the very first Sunday, we had a whopping six adults. Six adults. And we were meeting in a little, little bitty duplex out here off of Frankfurt and uh, back, way back northwest. It continues to grow. The first month, you almost act shocked like that. Well, I mean, I wasn't even in—I was living in Clovis, and we were coming over here on Sundays, and so that that church began to grow right there in that little house. And so our prayer was this: Lord, we need a bigger building. So you know what we did? We just got everybody by faith, and we said, let's just believe God. God's going to give us something bigger. And so it was, it was toward the end of July of that month, a guy came to me and said, hey, listen, I'm a rep for the Holiday Inn right here on the South Loop. It's no longer a Holiday Inn. He said, I want to meet with you. So I go and meet with him. And so he shows me this conference room. And I said, I need a room for children's church. He said, okay. We'll do this monthly for you. You can do this, 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 this. You'll have this room every Sunday. And I said, I, I got to have a storage room. He said, I'll take care of you on that. So when you begin to do those things, and you pioneer church. You don't have nothing. There's not, we don't own one chair. We don't own any sound. We don't own one microphone. And you know what I realized? We're going to have to have a microphone. We're going to have to have sound now. You know what we did? We didn't freak out. We didn't pull our hair out. We went to God and we said, Father God, we come to you. And we trust you. And we ask you not only to provide, but provide us with sound. I'm telling you, some things happened That first sound system we bought cost $3,800 to the penny. How do you know that? I just know that. That's how it got in me. I mean, I don't forget those things. We were like little kids. We pulled those little mics out. We pulled the speakers out. we We thought we'd arrived. It continues to grow. I'm still living in Clovis. So now we go to another step and I'm like, Lord. So I just begin to petition God again and again. I said, Father God, I ask you. I ask you. I stand in faith. And so we would say, Lord, we thank you that you're getting us a bigger building. So then he moves us to another building. We're in a building out here on Briarcroft, Briarcroft number 23. We take a little office building and we convert it to a church. It's still growing. And I'm still living in Clovis. Me and Shelly commuted every weekend for three years. For those three years every weekend 100 miles this way 100 miles that way we we kept our jobs and you know when i make that trip to see my mom and dad and i think lord how did i do that it's a grace of god so you just keep you just keep getting out on the water you just keep getting out and trusting god and so we were in there and then our our lease ran up and i told the guy who owned it i said can i can i lease it from you monthly and he said yeah the next month he calls me and says hey I rented it out to another church. So now we're not homeless, we're churchless. I wasn't happy. I wanted to whip him and I wanted to whip that other pastor. I wasn't happy. What do you do, pastor? Freak out? You Go back to God and you start saying, Father God, this is our heart. But guess where the church moves to next? We go out to a place out here on West 82nd That used to be called the black tie casino. When we would take up offering, we would spin the roulette wheel and whatever it landed on, that was your percent. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We have church in the back. It continues to grow. And so it gets to the point I realize I got to move over here. Another step of faith. You know why it's a step of faith? I've been with a utility company for almost 20 years. Shelly's been a teacher. So now... We're really going to have to believe God. We're we're quitting everything but Jesus. Okay, Jesus. But then this church right here, it comes up. I come and visit it one day and I'm I'm saying, there's no way. There's no way. We can't do that. It's a million dollars. That's no way. God woke me up one night in my sleep and he said, wait, buddy. There's a way. Trust me. Put your faith out here. So we begin to pray and everything. We come back in, and sure enough, we begin to buy it. We have the opportunity to buy it. Now we got another problem. They accept our offer, but we don't have any money. We got a little. So God, supernaturally, we pray. We said, Lord, we got to have favor. We trust, we believe you. So He sends me this banker, and this banker who's still our banker, He said, I don't know you from Adam, but He said, God told me to help you. So I said, you're going to give me a million dollars? He said, I'm going to give you a million dollars. He said, that's the good news. The bad news, he said, you're going to be more valuable dead than you are alive. I said, don't tell my wife that. We step out by faith. Something supernaturally just keeps happening, just keeps happening, just keeps happening. And so again, I don't know where you're at today. but Man, you can believe God. You begin to trust God. I, I tell you, I, I've told you before, my life was a lot better than Peter Pan's. They have incredible adventures. It's just you just keep believing God, you keep trusting God. And sometimes, I will tell you, everything in the natural says, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But God's just so faithful. He's just been so faithful and faithful, and he'll be faithful to you. He's no respecter of persons. See, Again, it's interesting to me, to those guys, all through the Bible, the Lord Jesus would say to him, Your faith has made your whole. Your faith has done this. Your faith has done this. God never changes. As if God just says, just trust me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.